0: Thousand Years of Classical Music presents this special Keys to Music podcast with Graham Abbott on ABC Classic FM.
1: Hi, this is Graham Abbott. Welcome to Keys to Music on ABC Classic FM. Famous symphonies can suffer from their fame. Familiarity or over-familiarity can easily breed contempt. The six symphonies of Tchaikovsky are a perfect example, with the first three being rarely performed and not widely known, while the last three are among the best-loved and most often performed symphonies in the world. In past Keys to Music programs, I've looked at Tchaikovsky's first three symphonies in a single program and devoted a single program to the fourth, In this program, I want to look at a work which countless people love, but which many other music lovers never wish to hear again, Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. Written in the summer of 1888, eleven years after the Fourth Symphony, Tchaikovsky's Fifth was premiered under Tchaikovsky's baton in November of that year. Not long afterwards, Tchaikovsky had doubts about the piece, saying in a letter to his patron, Nadezhda von Meck, that... There was something repulsive about it, and that it had a certain gaudiness. From my own experience, I've gone full circle. As a child, I recall loving this work. It was one of the recordings my parents bought their strange, classical music-loving child. As an adult, I've shied away from it, finding much more to interest me in the 4th and 6th symphonies. In fact, coming to it again to prepare this program was the first time I'd heard the work for years – and I was pleasantly surprised to find much in it that caught me on both an emotional and an intellectual level. I've started to love it again, and I'm relieved about that. The Fifth Symphony is cast in the traditional four movements, but Tchaikovsky links all the movements together with the appearance of a theme heard right at the beginning. This takes even further something he did in the Fourth Symphony, where a terrifying brass fanfare signifying fate is heard at key moments in the first and last movements. Tchaikovsky himself identified that theme as fate in his description of the Fourth Symphony's meaning in a letter to von Meck. The theme in the Fifth Symphony is very different in character, and I tend to follow the idea of some writers who call it destiny. It's heard in the introduction to the first movement, played by both clarinets in unison, very low in their register. The home key is E minor. A few months before starting work on the symphony, and I stress this was before he wrote the piece, Tchaikovsky made a cryptic note, which is the closest we get to any sort of program or extra musical meaning in the Fifth Symphony. It relates to the first movement. Introduction, complete submission before fate, or what is the same thing, the inscrutable predestination of providence. For the rest, the main allegro section of the movement, Tchaikovsky outlines his thoughts behind the two main themes. The first theme he describes as murmurs of doubt, complaints, reproaches against XXX. XXX is usually identified as code for Tchaikovsky's homosexuality, but this is not necessarily the case. We are so used to hearing Soviet-era propaganda unthinkingly recycled that Tchaikovsky was tormented by his sexuality and hated himself. The fact is, Russian society at the time was relatively tolerant of homosexuality, and contrary to popular belief, the composer's sexuality was well known in the circles in which he moved. So what is the first theme all about? we need to decide, I guess, whether Tchaikovsky actually followed up these notes when he wrote the symphony. It's possible that these words bear no relation at all to the symphony as we now have it. But if the first theme does represent doubt, complaints and reproaches, then I can hear it in the restlessness of the woodwinds against the relentless tread of the strings. This transition passage effects a modulation or change of key to D major, a key not normally associated with E minor. In his preliminary note, Tchaikovsky describes the second theme in the form of a question. Shall I leap into the embrace of faith? There's certainly a leaping feeling about the theme, but whether it's still a leap into faith is conjectural. This second theme leads us out of the movement's exposition and into the development section. Tchaikovsky's formal writing, especially in the symphonies, is often criticised for repeating rather than developing themes. And while that is often true, in the first three symphonies especially, the development section of this movement masterfully combines and reworks the themes. There's also a reminder of the stormy music in his much earlier orchestral tone poem, Romeo and Juliet. And we're brought to the recapitulation, where the first theme this time is started off by a solitary bassoon. The transition passage occurs as expected, although Tchaikovsky has skillfully manipulated the harmony so that we're in a different key this time. When the leaping second theme occurs, we'll be in E major, the tonic major key, and a key in which it would be absolutely acceptable to conclude the movement. The coda, based on the start of the development section, leads us away from the brightness of E major, and eventually the first subject ends the movement in the dark E minor in which we began. The Destiny theme, though, has not been heard again, for now. There is evidence to suggest that Tchaikovsky was at pains to impress German musicians and critics with the Fifth Symphony. The symphony as a form had always been regarded as the product of German-speaking composers, and in Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony, there is a great deal of emotional and technical weight given to all four of the movements, something which would have impressed German musicians. Indeed, the symphony is dedicated to Theodor Ave Lallemont, a conservative member of the Hamburg Philharmonic Society who was known to be an opponent of program music. The serious and formality of the first movement is balanced perfectly by the serious but emotionally intense second movement. Cast in a broad ternary form, ABA, the movement opens with one of Tchaikovsky's most famous tunes. This melody has been appropriated for all sorts of purposes, From a 1939 Tin Pan Alley hit, Moon Love, to an Australian cigarette commercial in the 1970s. Tchaikovsky clearly viewed it as a love theme, because in the score, over the top of the famous horn melody, he wrote, in a combination of Russian and French, Oh, that I love you. Oh, my love. Oh, how I love. If you love me. Exactly who Tchaikovsky had in mind, we have no idea but it was clearly somebody very special to the composer if they inspired him to write this. The A section has a second theme heard in a moment in the oboe. We then hear both themes again. The first theme in the cellos, then the second in the violins and violas. The middle section, or B, starts with a new theme high in the first clarinet, which is answered by the bassoon. This then builds to the first reappearance of the Destiny theme played by the trumpets and woodwinds. But this is short-lived and we return to the A section melodies. The love theme is now heard in the first violins, embellished at first by the solo oboe. The second theme, when it too returns, is played by the flutes and most of the strings until it too is interrupted by another appearance of the destiny theme, this time in the trombones and bassoons. But this too dies away to allow the movement to end on fragments of the second theme. If there is any movement in Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony which could be said to be lighter than the rest, it's the third movement. The other three movements are all about the same length, but the third movement, which the composer himself called a waltz, is somewhat shorter. The waltz movement reminds us of one of Tchaikovsky's greatest contributions to Western music, his ballets. After the emotional depth of the first two movements, it provides a welcome lightness by comparison, but this is no flippant scampering about, as we had in the Fourth Symphony, and neither is it a march of terrifying energy, which we'll have in the sixth. This waltz is elegant and, in its own way, serious. And like the second movement, it falls into a very clear ABA structure. The A section is the waltz proper, while the contrasting central B section is characterised by fast passages of semiquavers. The first A section starts right into the waltz melody, with no introduction whatsoever. And now the B section. When the waltz melody returns, this time in the oboe, it overlaps the music of the B section. The movement ends with a coda loosely based on the waltz theme and right near the end, the destiny theme is heard in the clarinets and bassoons in waltz tempo. Blink and you'll miss it. brings us to the last movement of Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. And this is music which has aroused enormous passions, both for and against. There are many writers who see the last three symphonies as autobiographical tone poems, and who believe that Tchaikovsky spent his whole adult life fighting his sexuality, both in public and, more importantly, in private. Such writers see the triumph over fate in the Fourth Symphony and the triumph over destiny in the Fifth, as dishonest pretense on the part of Tchaikovsky. They're only happy with the Sixth Symphony, where it seems Tchaikovsky allows himself to be beaten into submission by forces beyond his control. I confess that for many years I subscribed to this theory, but not anymore. I don't see the end of the Fifth Symphony, where the destiny theme is turned into the major key and where the work ends in apparent victory, as having any relation at all to Tchaikovsky's life. It's no different to the great symphonic journey we experience in Beethoven's Fifth. The unifying destiny theme in Tchaikovsky's symphony is like the four-note theme which connects the movements of Beethoven's Fifth, and both works simply chart a very logical, dramatic journey, one repeated in countless symphonies, operas, plays, novels and movies, from darkness into light, from tension into resolution. Tchaikovsky starts the finale, which, like the first movement, is in sonata form with a slow introduction, with the destiny theme, cast warmly in E major, played by the violins and cellos in unison. As such, it has the character of a noble march, something I rather think Beethoven would have liked. The main body of the movement is fast, with a vigorous theme made up of repeated fragments first heard in the strings. Position is a total contrast in mood and articulation. It leads us into the second theme. This is the second theme in The Woodwinds. and the exposition ends with a reappearance of the Destiny theme. Tchaikovsky shows how the first theme is derived from the end of the Destiny theme. The first theme of the finale is the same as the end of the Destiny theme, only played twice as fast. We're now in the development section, and Tchaikovsky bases this on both the first and second theme. And now we're thrust back into the first theme with the start of the recapitulation. the transition. Second theme heard again in the woodwinds. And as with the exposition, the recap too is crowned with a statement of the destiny theme. with a glorious coda based, as we might expect by now, on the destiny theme in the major key. In addition to this, Tchaikovsky works in an extraordinary reference to the first subject of the First Movement, reminding us of how far this journey has taken us. The recording of Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 5 used in this programme comes from a set of the complete Tchaikovsky Symphonies played by the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Oleg Kaitani. This particular performance was recorded in 2007. My thanks to Nairi Duffield for the technical production of Keys to Music. My name's Graham Abbott. Have a great week full of great music. Bye for now.